and welcome to another episode of the podcast. The Professor and Barney podcast voices you'll hear this afternoon is Andrew Barney Barnett. Hello. Hello, Professor. It's uh, it's nice to be here. Uh, Thomas Forskin Urskin. <laughs> yes. Hey, guys. How are we? Super duper, Tommy Tuxedo. And stepping in again for Nick Ratto, back by popular demand, Brooksy. Nathan Brooks, the Brooksy, the producer to the stars. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me back. Hey, Tommy, normally to start we get you to read a five-star review, but I've been watching some of our five-star reviews and I wanted to read a couple out to you in particular. This is what we do is we encourage you to go on, leave a five-star review, tell us what you think of the show. Most of it's abuse. Sorry, all of it's abuse. Um, and I want to read this one, The Rise of Mediocrity. It's from She Hides Dirksen. You can answer that, is it? Brooksy's just getting a call from Steve Blocker Roach. Oh, no, don't, don't answer that. It's scary. All right, I'll read you this one. Uh, good, great, love it. This is from Tankos. But is it just me or does Tommy overuse the word essentially? One of these private school boys that would use the words thus far and in summary in general conversation. <laughs> there needs to be some kind of punishment in future. Well, you know what, Tankos? You just... Made your own bed, so better be ready to sleep in it today. <laughs> well, mate, it's not just Tankos. Wall 2181. <laughs> essentially, Tommy needs to essentially stop saying essentially. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on. There is a lot of people on here not happy with you saying essentially. That's because they don't know how to spell it. Oh, well, they do. They wrote it down. Absolutely. Yeah, wrong. So can you tell everybody at home you won't use the stupid word essentially today? I won't use uh, the word essentially, but I may use the word moreover or uh, henceforth. henceforth. Hey, if you use essentially once today, we each get to hit you. Yes. Just Deal. a little punch on the arm. Deal. All right. No way. Very good. Now, let's get straight into the topic today. If you haven't listened along before, what basically what we do is we take something from the sporting week, an event, something that is in the front of everybody's minds, and then we go back and look at sporting history to work out where it's happened before, where we've gone wrong. We dig deep into the sporting annals. Thank you very much. Um, Tommy, what do you got for us this week? Uh, so off the back of... Um, the news that has come out that a, a cryptocurrency entrepreneur... You know what? Off the back of is going to be the next one. <laughs> 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 uh, Do you want to just not speak? No, no, no just <laughs> go for it. Jesus. In lieu of... Yeah. <laughs> um, in the light of. Yeah, in light <laughs> come on, of. let's get into it. Come on. London-based cryptocurrency entrepreneur um, is in the market for the Perth Glory A-League team. I wouldn't know. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, so essentially they're called LFA. Oh, essentially. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Uh, rule idiot. number one, don't pick yourself up on the. <laughs> uh, LFA is the, is the company uh, and they, they're, co- they're like, a, like a football group that um, are, are looking to buy the London Football Exchange and they're looking to buy seven different clubs around the world. Um, but instead of, like, buying them all and then rebranding them, they want them to keep their own identities. But the first one that he's looking to get is um, uh, the Perth Glory. I believe he's already gotten it, hasn't he? It's already been sold. No, uh, the articles I've read, uh, the FFA have not agreed uh, to it yet. Okay, so the former owner and LFE have agreed in principle, but the... Well, he's already the the guy who's one of the co-founders of this LFE is also the chairman of Perth Glory. I see. So he kind of half owns it already, uh, but there's another guy, his co-founder of LFE, a guy called Jim Alwood, is also... uh, Okay. Now, talk to me, like, cryptocurrency, is this a sound 
investment for Perth Glory to be owned by a guy that made his money out of cryptocurrency? I, I don't know. I've got a couple of friends that have bought like Bitcoin and stuff, and they oh, seem to be, they seem to be raking it in hand. How are the Winklevosses doing? <laughs> <laughs> Barney, do you understand cryptocurrency? Can you explain it? Because I don't get it. To be honest, I don't think anyone understands cryptocurrency. That's part of the allure. Um, basically, though, uh, it is um, a currency market that is uh, decentralised. Uh, it's all online and it's um, protected by... Um... Tommy's got a cramp. <laughs> are you seriously cramping I've up podcasting? A, I've got a How unfit cramp. are you that you huh? get a cramp while you're podcasting? Cramping has nothing to do with fitness. It's hydration, mate. From go back to school. Well, mate, <laughs> essentially it is to do with fitness. <laughs> essentially. Sorry, Barney. Crypto cramp. Have you got rid of your cramp? Yeah, it's gone. Sorry. Go, Barney. Yeah. So it's... it's Basically, the, the whole, it's a system. Like, so you got your Bitcoin. Yep. Um, it's over. It's decentralized. Is the is the main uh, thing that uh, word that comes up when you Google it. And it's <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it either. There. No, so yeah, the markets basically it uses strong cryptography to keep track of who owns blocks of <laughs> the currency. I don't know. It's well, made what up. I read so this LFE C group because mm-hmm. the C I think stands for. Cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency or coins or whatever it is. Yep. So they made $70 million. <laughs> I don't know if it's coins. $70 million by selling their own cryptocurrency, which is LFE tokens, and one token's worth 0.2 US dollars. So you wow. can just make up this type of money. Let's call it Brooksy Bucks. Brooksy Bucks. You say it's worth 0.2 made USD, up. and then all of a sudden, $70 million. I don't know if we've got yeah. it right there. If you know how it works, then send us at Professor on Fox. Explain <laughs> cryptocurrency. Mm, the in, barefoot um, investor is listening and going, "Damn, this is a good podcast." <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So, in the light of that, um, in the light, what, what are we doing today? We essentially, Tommy? decided to. We are going to discuss interesting owners, owners yes. of sports teams, or previous owners of sports teams, and their their sort of antics. And uh, how they went about owning certain franchises. Very good. All right, Beautiful. now, buddy, you're very good at getting us going. Do you want yes. to get started here? Yeah. Okay. I know how much uh, you guys are all fans of motor racing. Um, I mean, the V8s here in Australia are brilliant. Oh, but I, love them. Um, I know that you, particular professor, are mad for an Indy car. Sick for an Indy car, uh, which is uh, kart racing in the US, <laughs> and uh, the owner that I'm going to talk about is David Letterman. Owns an oh. Indy car. He team. owns an Indy car team. He's uh, one of the owners of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Um, basically, uh, Indy car, probably their most famous race that people would know if you're not really into racing is the Indy 500. Uh, it's run every year at Indianapolis. So Letterman grew up in Indiana. He is a super fan of the Indy 500. Um, apparently. And this is – so when you think of um, David Letterman, what do you think of? Do you think of an emotional man or do no, you think of an – No, very dry man, mm. very funny man. Very I was a big Letterman fan when he was on. Yeah, very I, – I really like Letterman. Well, apparently – I like the, his beard. Yeah, the good new, beard now. Yeah, he's got the good beard now. Well, apparently at the start of the Indy 500, he becomes so overcome with emotion that he's been known to cry just with oh, the wow. emotion of the, the – Start of the race. He's a super fan. Um, in 1986, uh, the um, after the Indy 500, the winner, the winning driver Bobby Rahal came on late night with David Letterman, and the two struck up a friendship over their uh, their love of motor racing, in particular uh, IndyCar. Um, kept in touch. Uh, Ten years later, um, Carl Hogan left Hogan Rahal Racing. And Letterman bought a small share in, right. in the racing team. Didn't have naming rights at that stage. Um, 
In 2004, obviously, he's sunk some more money in it. It became Rahul Letterman Racing, and then 2010, Lanigan uh, buys in. Um, and they've won uh, since... He's been uh, a part owner. They've won uh, the Indy 500 uh, once. Right. (laughs) Who's his driver? Uh, Well, at the moment, I can't tell you the driver off the top of his head, but the driver that won the Indy 500 was in 2004. His name was... Now, guess where this guy's from? His name's Buddy Rice. Buddy Rice. I don't know. Buddy Rice. Buddy sounds to me like Southern America. Yeah, he's Memphis or Louisiana. He's American. Yeah. IndyCar. There are Australian drivers in IndyCar. Oh, right. um, Championships are. And there's drivers from around the world. Marcus Ambrose was over there for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, right. That's right. So doing the Indy. Um, but the Indy, uh, it's not just Indy. Uh, His that... Greek brother, Marcos. <laughs> Marcos Ambrose. <laughs> there's an Marcus. I. No, no, there's an O in there. Marcos. It's Marcos. It's Marcos. Marcos Ambrose. Yes, okay. Um, but what I found interesting when I was looking into this is motor racing is actually big with celebrities, particularly in the US. Uh, uh, famous actor Paul Newman. Um, yeah. You probably know him from his salad dressings, Tommy. Um <laughs> Good bolognese. Yeah. He does have a good... Mate, he sees a salad dressing. Epic. Yeah. Too creamy. Epic. It's yeah. epic. Too yeah. creamy. Too creamy? Really? Yeah. You're going to go Paul Newman on his salad dressing? Yeah. You know that all goes to charity, the profit yeah. from that. I, I'm not bagging out what he's doing. I just... <laughs> Technically, you are. It's too creamy. Yeah. No, he <laughs> said the Caesar dressing. Why do you, Shit. I mean, you balsamic vinegar and, and a little bit of olive oil and a touch of lemon rind. Beautiful. But... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Do you crack your salt over it as well? Are you doing a sea salt? Oh, absolutely. Himalayan, the pink stuff. Of course you are. Pink stuff. Mm. Um, but other celebs who've driven um, driven race cars, Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Days yeah. of Thunder. Of Days of Thunder. He yep. got, and got into it after that. Um, yep. Walter Cronkite. You're kidding. The old newsman. He was, was a mad, uh, mad uh, race car driver. Um, Rowan Atkinson. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. Can you imagine you're out on the racetrack, you look in, <laughs> look in your rear view mirror and, oh, here's Mr. Bean coming up. <laughs> just, coming up hot. Yeah. yeah. Chasing down that three-wheel car. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to knock it off the road. <laughs> um, you haven't seen Mr. Bean, have you, Tommy? Pardon? Have you seen Mr. Bean? I've seen a little bit. So I don't You've know. seen a little bit? Yeah. You, you've probably I, met I, Rowan Atkinson, I like you? him in, the, uh, in Love Actually. Oh, oh mate, can you go home tonight and watch Mr Bean? And boy. he's like, I'll be done in the jiffest of jiffies. Uh, <laughs> cinemas? <laughs> well, here's someone you will know, Frankie Muniz. Oh, yeah. The middle. Yep. He's a mad race car driver. Uh, obviously, uh, Gene Hackman too. Um, oh, here we go, Tommy, you'll know this one. Patrick Dempsey. Oh, McDreamy. Yes, McDreamy. Born on my birthday, born on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he won the race to your heart, didn't he? Oh, mate, oh, massive McDreamy. Grey's Anatomy fan. Oh. <laughs> and Emily Ratajkowski. You're kidding. I shit you Emirata. not. Yeah. That's so, she, I think she was a grid girl. Really? I legitimately think I've read this somewhere. Uh, <laughs> legitimately. Legitimately is going to be on the uh, list too, Scott. um... <laughs> Perusing some pictures. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mate! In her bio, it said "grid girl." Instagram. Yeah, mm. grid girl. Yes. Yeah, so well, uh, might have said "great girl." I can't remember. It was one of the two. Though. Yeah, um, anyway. and we all remember um, that film clip she was in. Um, Blurred lines. Oh, wasn't it? yeah. Yes. Good, oh, goodness me! Look that one up. Um, are you finished? I'm finished. I'll go next. <laughs> my uh, my owner, team owner, and a man that I'm very fond of is Bill Murray. Oh, yes. Oh, my um, God. Just, I, yes, Barney, as you know, I'm a big fan of Bill's. Mm. You've mentioned his, his it entire catalogue. <laughs> uh, I have. I actually have a signed picture of Bill as Phil Connors 
from, uh, I'm beaming as I say, from Groundhog Day in the garage. My missus won't let me have it in the house. She said I <laughs> get sense. A, I'd get a bit aroused when it was in there, so I had to take it out of the garage. Um, and he owns, he owns a few baseball teams. Um, so he owns the St Paul Saints, um, uh, the Charleston River Dogs, um, a few others, Tommy. Yeah, the, the Hudson there? Valley Renegades, yep. the Brockton yeah. Rocks. He Brockton Rocks. Brockton Rocks, R-O-X. So basically I think uh, minor league baseball teams are very cheap and he's just gone and bought a bunch of them from uh, what I can tell. He's also got the <laughs> Utica Blue Sox, the Fort Myers Miracles, the Salt Lake Stingers, uh, the Catskill Cougars, the Salt Lake City Trappers, and that's it. Oh, yeah, well, so, so he, just a quick little one, Charleston River Dogs, if you're not sure what a river dog is, uh, it's a turd which is let loose into a river due to the non-availability of a toilet. So the team is named after... <laughs> A river dog. Um, oh, man, we were... This is how it's used in a sentence. Oh, man, we were out fishing on the boat the other day and my dad dropped a monstrous river dog into the Cumberland. So, <laughs> I think we, That's an Urban Dictionary for sure. I think sure. we looked... At, yeah, it's a, yeah. Great, it's a great publication, the Urban Dictionary. It it's is. up there with the New Yorker. Now, um, he considers himself the director of fun for the St Paul Saints and he, on game day, will bring in a lot of initiatives to basically promote the team keep the fans happy, that sort of thing. A couple of things he's done um, while he's been part owner. This is, sorry, of the River Dogs. He's had two initi initiatives. Um, his first one uh, was called Silent Night, which was in 2003, when fans were asked to keep quiet during the whole game so the team could set the record for the quietest game in baseball history. <laughs> um, um, the, the team was even, repla even replaced ushers with libra librarians that would sit and shh. <laughs> Keep it down, that was one. Um, the other promotion was Nobody Night that he did. Uh, the team didn't let any fans into the game until it became official in the fifth inning, so it could set the record for this time for the lowest attendance in an official baseball game. <laughs> 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 so they played in front of no one. Does Bill Murray just have money to waste? What's going yeah, on? He does. And so what he did was he put beer and hot dogs basically in the car park so the fans would sit out there until the fifth inning. Just sit out there and they'll go. <laughs> and yeah. the, fans, the, the fans of the Charleston River Dogs, they, were, they put a petition together to make Bill Murray the commissioner of all things sport. Because <laughs> of all they, things sport. Yeah, because yeah. of initiatives like that. Because they very loved good. what he was doing. It's, it's so good. Now, Do his teams ever play against each other? Does he ever have that conflict of interest? Do we know? Well, no, three, three of the teams I know from that list that I just read out, three of them are like, you know, in baseball they have triple A, double A, yep. single A. They're, they're all aligned with uh, – three of them are aligned with the Yankees, so they would never play each other. They're and you've been to one of them, right, I've Tommy? been to the Charleston River Dogs with my brother. Was Bill Murray there? South Carolina. It was, uh, I don't remember seeing him there, but they were um, – it was a cracking nine. Um, now, we all do know that Bill Murray is the greatest actor of all time, greatest actor of our generation. Um, <laughs> I, I give every film he's ever done five stars. Wow. Life Aquatic is one of them. Oh, favorites. with Steve Z. Steve yeah. Zazu. Steve Zazu. Yeah. One of the great, great, good, get, great oh, cast. It's very good. Yeah. He's very good in all of those Wes Anderson films. You know, uh, what about Bob? Uh, that's yeah. obviously, you know, with Bob Wiley. Yep. Um, so, Tommy, do you want to? I think we've worked out. If you, want, if you write a five-star review for the podcast and include a, your favourite Bill Murray uh, film, mm. you're a good chance of getting read out. You will. Oh, it's very good. All right. Uh, who's next? Nathan? All right, I'm staying overseas in America. Do you guys know who Donald Tokowitz is? No. Donald Tokowitz. Who's Not Tokowitz? the name we know him as, but he did change his name to Donald Sterling after Eel's great Peter Sterling. Um, he was born in, <laughs> born in Chicago and 
he moved to LA quite quickly. He is the former owner of the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Oh yeah, um, gymnast what? at high yeah. school. Really? Really? Yes. Very flexible, old Donald. As a Tokowitz. Um, he studied law and made his initial wealth in real estate. So the funny thing there is he bought apartments off another guy you might know, Jerry Buss. Ah, the owner of the Lakers. That oh. sale enabled him to buy the Lakers, the Kings and the Great Western Forum. So it's funny, Sterling helped Buss create the Lakers empire. Yeah, wow. Shortly after that, it's like a sick irony, isn't it? And I know it's crazy. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many little connections between the Lakers and the Clippers. But anyway, 1981, Sterling wanted to get into the NBA. Jerry Buss helped him do that, and he bought the San Diego Clippers for 12.5 million dollars. Remember that figure because that's going to come in oh, right, later. Write that down. 12.5. So write it down. Write it down. Yep. Um, and a year in, he was already causing trouble. Uh, the NBA fined him $10,000 for commenting that he would accept the Clippers coming last if it allowed him to draft an impact player. So you hear He's about tanking. tanking. Yeah. He was the original tanker. Yeah, right. Everyone Still calls like... him a tank. No, I think it's something else. But, yeah, they call him a tanker. Um, a wanker. A wanker, yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, a couple of years later, he moved the Clippers from San Diego to L.A. He wanted to go back to L.A., uh, to become the Lakers' second team in the city. But the funny thing was the NBA didn't approve the move and fined him $25 million. Oh, Jesus. Um, he then countersued uh, or he sued the NBA for $100 million saying that he basically didn't do anything wrong and um, eventually they settled and he re- his fine was reduced to $6 million. So you can tell that law side of things that he studied, he was quite across savvy. those sides. Yeah. Very savvy. Um, and throughout, as we know, um, the Clippers as a franchise have been terrible. Um, never won a NBA Always title. a lot of promise. A lot of promise, a lot of draft picks. Yeah, when, as they, when they had Blake Griffin, Blake Chris Griffin. Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Yes. But they'd always... They Lob never, City. Yeah. They couldn't they, win. No, they couldn't. No. Um, he was known to alienate a lot of staff, coaches. He, um, he went to court with three of his coaches, Mike Dunleavy, Bill Fitch and Bob Weiss. So he wasn't too good with them. And there was a funny thing. A lot of players have come out since and said that he used to heckle players when he sat courtside. Oh, that's good. Um, his own players? His, his own, own oh, players. Jesus. That's why he wanted draft picks so much that he used to heckle his players. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, in 2009, ESPN magazine called the Clippers the worst franchise in pro- professional sports. Um, and they were known for losing. But the big thing in his ownership with the Clippers came in 2014 mm-hmm. when TMZ Sports released a clip of him and his mistress, V. Stiviano. And uh, there's plenty of quotes from that recording, uh, but the main one, it was racial. It was like it that came out was, yeah, it bothers me a lot that you want to broadcast that you're associating with black people. Do you have to? And that got out and that caused a massive stir amongst the NBA and everyone involved in the NBA. Well, yes, because I, I've, I've watched a bit of NBA. There seems to be quite a few African-Americans involved. There's a in very large percentage. Yeah, and yeah. they're all the best players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And his team had a lot of African-American of players on it. So yeah. What a dickhead. It's, um, it was interesting too. I love the fact that his problem wasn't the fact that she was hanging out with them. It's, it was, his real problem was that they came to the games and it was very public. Like the, it's like on one it, hand he's trying to be, look, I'm cool with them, just not in public. Oh, mate. He's he used very to, odd. He used to bring like 
his mistress and friends into the change rooms after game while the players were getting dressed and yeah, stuff. It was it was link. quite awkward. Some of the players came out. There was Olden Polonese who used to play at the Clippers. He came out and was like, what the hell is going on here? And it was like they were put on show, really. And that was <laughs> a, an interesting <laughs> situation. You bring people in to look at the naked players. Yes. Let's have a look at that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but here's a question. Yeah. All the, the racism and terrible yeah. stuff aside, if you were if he said, Do you want to come in and look at some naked NBA players? Would part of your brain be curious? I'd go in for sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, oh, million not back that. Wait, yeah, which team? Doubt I'd be in there. Which team? Well, San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, I'd be in there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd be sure. getting uh, selfies. They're supposed to be naked. Sorry, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be nude. I'd be cuddling Patty Mills. Oh, goodness me. So with all that being said, yes. uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner, basically yeah. got rid of Sterling. Did the right thing. Fined him two and a half million dollars and... Were for, they were forced to sell. He was forced to sell the Clippers. His wife, his estranged wife, Shelley, deemed deemed him mentally unfit in order to seize control of the team to sell the franchise. He sold. She sold the franchise to former CEO of Microsoft, Steve Ballmer, for two billion dollars. <sighs> wow! So is that why we're doing? So that? yeah. So get two billion <laughs> minus twelve and a half minus let's say five million dollars in fines. Oh, no, sorry, $10 million. That's a nice profit. And he's mad. <laughs> he's mad. He sits down. Can I think of the other thing that's funny? She sold it for $2 billion, right? So she's rolling in the yeah. dough. She <laughs> sued Mrs. Ms. Stiviano. Yeah, Stevie. To return $2.6 million worth of their Los Angeles duplex that he had bought for her to keep her hidden. And she said, I also want the Ferrari, the two Bentleys, the Range Rover, and, but you can have my husband. Oh, oh wow. Trade. <laughs> the Clippers' best trade right around his tenure. I love how she's worried about the two Bentleys and the Range Rover. <laughs> but, yeah, interesting story. Fun, like, yeah. What, what a profit. Unbelievable. Like, just shows you you can do whatever and still make billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> is that the <laughs> lesson we've learned? Is that the lesson Brooksy. we've learned? Brooksy. Kids, yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go, Tommy. Okay, guys, I'm going to take you to the uh, the motherland. Uh, ah, no, Germany. <laughs> that's, sorry, that's, that's the, the fatherland. fatherland. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm going to take you to England. Uh, and we're talking about Fulham FC. Uh, the, the soccer You're club. full of FC. <laughs> um, between 1997 and 2013 when they were under the ownership of Mohamed Al-Fayed, who is the Egyptian-born billionaire, uh, also known for owning Harrods, uh, yep. the department mm. store. And uh, being the father of? Of Dodi Fayed, who... Uh, Sad, tragic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. A little Paris freeway. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether we can... Yeah, we can do it. That. It's old news. Um... <laughs> Okay, basically what happened is uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed, he bought Fulham Football Club and one of his good friends was Michael Jackson. Uh, uh, Really listed some great guys today. (laughs) (laughs) Really close friend. And Michael Jackson attended a game in 1999 at Craven Cottage, the home ground of the Fulham Football Club, um, when Fulham was playing Wigan Athletic. And then upon the death of Michael Jackson in 2009, Al-Fayed commissioned a statue to be made. Uh, a seven foot five statue uh, so made, out, made out of plaster and resin 
of Michael Jackson and <laughs> oh. they put it out the front. They put it out the front of, um, of Harrods and when Harrods was sold and bought by new owners, they moved the statue and put it out the front of Craven Cottage, the Fulham, the Fulham home ground. And they revealed that in 2011. How confusing would that be? I know. <laughs> Surely that's that? part of the deal. And can I tell you... Buying Harrods. There's a, there's a quote here that... Uh, most of the, the reception after the unveiling in 2011, the reception was almost all negative. It was described what? by some of the players as... I want to leave this club. We are the laughing stock. It has nothing to do with football and it makes our club look silly. So essentially there's a also, five statue of... Also, a lot uh, of their juniors left in protest. <laughs> Fair enough too. Um, Fair and, enough. and basically what happened was when he sold the club in 2013... <laughs> was that what he said? Look, we're trying to attract juniors, guys. The statue's going to... mate. What is this podcast? <laughs> he, he said, if some of our stupid fans don't understand and appreciate such a gift, the gift this guy gave us all, then you can all go to hell. So he, he's also he's big on his fan base. Um, and then he, in 2013, when he sold the Fulham Football Club to Shahid Khan, a Pakistani billionaire who also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, um, yes he does. Perfect. Michael Jackson. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah, oh. Boom. Oh. Man, Send the statue. Um, and essentially they – oh, said it again. Uh, they uh, just got punched twice. Ah, oh, sorry. I got oh, you on the second one. good one. Yeah, I got you. Um, oh. uh, Phil with the back From behind. <laughs> um, uh, they sold the club for £200 million, pounds, uh, but Khan said the statue had to go. So in 2014, they, uh, they moved the statue from Craven Cottage and in that same year, Fulham were relegated out of the Premier League for the first time in 13 seasons – and they were dropped into the second tier. And Muhammad Afayag came out and goes, blame the removal of the, of the statue. He said, this statue was a charm and was removed and has removed the luck from the club. And now oh. we have to pay the price. When Khan asked me to move it, I said, you must be crazy. <laughs> this is a fantastic statue. Oh, yeah, I'm the crazy which the one. the fans are crying out for. But now he has paid the price because the club has been relegated. He called me because he told me he wanted to tell me the news and wanted me to return the statue. But I would never give it back to him. I just Where is the, the statue now? The statue was then moved to the Football Museum in Manchester. Uh, but in in in, 2000, in May oh, 2014, I'm looking at it now. But oh on March my two, God. March six 2019, the statue was even removed from the National Football oh, Museum. Oh well, it's a colour statue. Yeah. It's resin. It's made out of it's made out of plaster and resin with diamantes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. Don't know where the statue is now after it had been this this past year just been removed from the the Football Museum in Manchester. So I have no idea where it is right now. But Let's just hope when they remove it, they walk it out backwards. So it's <laughs> yeah, like moonwalking. Exactly. Walking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I thought that was just one story that epitomised how crazy uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed was. Very good, Barney. Well, that's exceptional. Give us another favourite owner. I'll give you another favourite owner. Um, from one crazy <laughs> oh, bike to another I'll crazy bike. I'll give you bike. another favourite owner. <laughs> uh, New York Yankees. Oh. <laughs> Famous owner, George Steinbrenner, uh, who owned the Yankees from 1973 up until his death in 2010. Um, during his uh, ownership, they won seven World Series, um, but he wasn't known so much for his winning as his, well, his... Probably best known for firing people. Well, him for being Costanza's boss, right? That's, this is George the thing. Costanza's so, boss. 
He was um, he was parodied in uh, Seinfeld um, when George uh, worked at the Yankees. He would often uh, feature, um, often sh- just shot from behind, um, voiced in that by Larry David, uh, show co creator. Um, but so. In his 23 seasons, he changed managers 20 times. Jesus. Um, Billy Martin, who was a manager, um, one of his managers, was fired and rehired five times. (laughs) 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 So he was known to not only fire blokes, but then there's every chance you would get rehired as well. How high on your toes would you have to be? To oh. be hired and foot. He went through 13 publicity directors in his time. One of those was Harvey Green, who said, The first time George fires you, it's very traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> Three or five times after that, it's like, Great, I've got the rest of the day off. <laughs> um, and it was his hiring in, uh, in firing was, um, was parody, part of the parody on, uh, on Seinfeld. And let's just have a listen to this clip. And there's something interesting about the last name he mentions here. No, George, as painful as it is, I paddle let a few people go over the years. Yogi Berra, Lou Pinella, Bucky Dent, Billy Martin, Dallas Green, Dick Hauser, Bill Verdon, Billy Martin, Stump Merrill, Billy Martin, Bob Lemon, Billy Martin, Gene Michael, Buck Schultz. Uh, uh, George, you didn't hear that from me. So that last name, Buck Showalter, so it was recorded as a joke because at the time Buck Showalter was the manager of the Yankees. So they've uh, they've recorded that. Oh, you didn't hear that from me. Two weeks later, Buck Showalter <laughs> got fired. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of called their shot there. Um, so, yeah, he um, apart from just firing people, he also had other quirks. Uh, he had a haircut policy. Um, right. Baseballers. All players, coaches, male executives um, weren't allowed to have any facial hair other than moustaches unless they had a religious reason. Um, their head hair could not be grown longer than the collar. Long sideburns, mutton chops were all uh, were specifically banned. Um, they had some weird incidents. So 1973, the home opener against the Cleveland um, Indians, the Yankees take their caps off for the uh, national anthem. Um, he looks down at the dugout. Several players, he decided their hair was too long for their standards. So he didn't know their names. He wrote their numbers down, <laughs> <laughs> sent a note down and demanded they got their haircuts before the game started. <laughs> While the anthem's going. While the right? anthem's going. Um, Yogi Berra, he, he ordered to remove a beard that he was growing. Um, a bloke by the name of Goose Gossage. Uh, oh, sorry, Goosey. Yeah, Goose Gossage uh, was, sorry, ordered to remove his beard. So just... Responded by shaving away the beard, but everything but a massive moustache um, in protest that went all the way down to his jawline, which he maintains to this day. So George Steinbrenner is probably uh, responsible for the look. Um, now, the other... For the Mervyn Hughes. For the big, yeah, the big... For uh, the... The waterfall. The really? Kentucky waterfall. That's... Because Steinbrenner, how good is that? Steinbrenner. Um, also famously, Don Mattingly, um, he... Uh, ordered several times to remove his sideburns, um, which was parodied in uh, Simpsons. 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 Kind of sideburns, hip, hip. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple of I got a couple of little extra you're talking about that PR director Harvey Green. Yeah. He had a famous quote about Steinbrenner. He said to George Steinbrenner, to George Steinbrenner, you were smart before you worked for him. You were smart after you worked for him, but you were never smart when you worked for him. So he's just walking around calling everybody a dumbass. Dumbass. Yeah. And then in in the nineteen eighty one World Series against the LA Dodgers, uh, Steinbrenner made headlines when he claimed that he fought two Dodgers fans 
in an elevator. Uh, Steinbrenner <laughs> called the press conference in a hotel room to show off his hand in a cast. And Steinbrenner oh. joked, there are two guys in this town looking for their teeth and two guys who will probably sue me. The in- incident was used to inspire his team, although the mysterious attackers never surfaced and they were never sued. <laughs> <laughs> He's proper, man. He also hired a, a gambler to investigate one of his own players who was in a legal dispute with uh, with the club because they hadn't paid him uh, a payment to his um, to his nominated charity, which is part of his contract, and so or to his foundation, and so he because uh, it was going to court, he hired a gambler to dig up dirt on one of his own star players. Oh god, he's quite mad. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, shall I go next? Do it now. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, the owner. Of, well, somebody that owned the Watford Football Club for a while. The great Sir Elton John. Uh, he had two stints owning it between 1976-2002. Massive Watford fan. Grew up in Watford. Loves Watford. Um, currently, his two sons are in their academy program, seven and five years old. They uh, he just he can't get enough of Watford. Watches all their games um, to the point where he actually will ring the coach of Watford and say, you know, have you seen these guys three tiers down? You got to go check this bloke out. And more often than not, Sir Elton's correct about the player. They move him up. Um, just an just a diehard football fan. A and good a die talent scout. Absolutely. Um, and there's another reason. Look, okay, we can talk about Elton John, the Watford Football Club mm. owner. We can do that, or we can ask Tommy about meeting him on the weekend. In New Zealand at his concert. <laughs> he was over there. Where was he playing? Napier? Uh, yeah. Hawke's in Bay? In Hawke's Bay. Oh. In, uh, in, in uh, it's one of the a best little parts. town called Havelock North. Now, talk uh, to us. I want to. I want everything. So, you were going there. He was playing. Yeah. The concert was... It was actually the, the, the one concert... The, before he walked off the stage in Auckland the next day. Because he got pneumonia. He's got pneumonia. Yeah. Oh. So I shouldn't have passed him. Well, you, um, actually, you weren't well last week. <laughs> so, um, and what? So, what, I don't understand the scenario. Do you go in, you knock on his dressing room? It was very fleeting. Uh, he was walking back to his he's walking back to his trailer. We caught eyes. Uh, I mean, one, thing, one thing led to another and we're having Zambuka. Um, no. <laughs> um, no. Okay, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Black or white? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just we said hi so, to him and, and so we, you, sorry, you and your who was co- it? Concert finished. My whole, my whole family. So we walked back by, by on the stage, and he was walking back to. His so trailer. is he just greeting all the families? What? Tell me. So no, my my old man's company. He uh, brought uh, didn't bring Elton John out on his tour, but brought him to a small winery in the Hawkes Bay area. Right. For the two concerts in in at the Mission Estate in New Zealand. Okay. So essentially, we went backstage. Oh, Essentially, sorry. Yeah. sorry, we went. Jeez, I do say it a lot, don't I? I need to go back to that speech therapist. They got her in my lisp. Um, <laughs> Get the lisp back. I like the lisp. And yeah, we said we said hey to Big Reggie. Um, and Big and, Reggie. And, and, and what? Like, you calling him he, Big Reggie? Did, is, is he doing like a like a what sort of handshakes he doing? Is he bringing you in for a hug as you shake his hand? No, just just a just Pretty, a. Just was it a, a firm stand. handshake? Yeah, it was very firm. I mean, he was head to toe in a Gucci tracksuit. <laughs> really? Was he really? I was like, mate, we look like the same size. How uh, tall is he? You you. Uh, uh, he's he's my height. He's, uh, five he's two. Five. Five, nine and a half, but who's counting? Uh, He's head to toe in a Gucci tracksuit. You walk in, he looks at you, you look at him, go, oh, my God, we wore the same Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's he smell like, Tommy? Uh, That's a good question. It's like a a delicate musk. Uh, It's... It's... 
it's I reckon it's an androgynous perfume. Uh, if they're, they're like, wow, it's unisex. Really? Yeah, and I feel you, like it could be both male or female. That's great. Really, uh, I mean, it wasn't like Chanel Number no. Five, but it was in. Was it overwhelming? Number four. Did it capture the whole room? It was. It was definitely a pungent musk. Right. Now, it smelled of wealth and 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 football and just love. <laughs> it smelled of <laughs> wealth <laughs> and football and love. Yeah. My God, you know, you should be making those perfume ads. <laughs> what was his I'd best track one. at the concert? Which uh, yeah. My favourite's Crocodile Rock. What did he finish with? What was his big? Yeah, what was his well, the tour's the Yellow Brick Road tour, so he finished, finished with, with Yellow, Yellow Brick, Brick Road, Road. Uh, uh, which was good. He did Your Song, which is, was... Oh, awesome. that's my favourite yeah, one. Absolute like banger. What about um, uh, where, with Candle in the Wind, did he do the Princess Die version? No, he didn't. Uh, in the back screen, he had all um, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. Right. Uh, but it was it was very, very good. I mean, he, a 73-year-old dude performing for two and a half hours is pretty impressive. So no wonder he yep. pulled out. I, I mean, don't know. I think, I think he's... It's probably Elton John. Like, I've met some 73-year-old dudes that I wouldn't want to see perform for any length of time. It's probably specifically to Elton John. But, like, I'm saying, like, age-wise, if I'm still brushing my teeth at the age of 73, I'm I'm (laughs) kicking fucking... What do you mean? You should be dropping them into a glass. (laughs) Hang on. My old man's 73 and he is sprightly. Yeah. He is fit as a fiddle. Good performer, too. He is. His concert's about an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) As many (laughs) hits as Elton. Jeez, he's got a good catalogue. To use that word again, I'm going to get in trouble for (laughs) catalogue. Um, All right, Brooksy. All right, with the A-League theme earlier on, I thought we'd go back to the A-League and talk about Clive Palmer. He was owner of the Gold Coast Uniteds. Yeah, so he in 2008 bought the club with the vision of getting into the A-League. They were just part of the Queensland competition at the time. And sure enough, a year later, they got entry into the A-League. Um, he was there for the signing, their marquee signing of Jason Colina. Oh, you remember right. him from the golden yes. age? Yep. And he declared that they would win the A-League in the first season and do it undefeated. Now, so, I just I'm, yep. I, I do have all the games taped. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, just be careful with this. Be careful. Spoiler alert. Any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving too much away, how did they go? Uh, didn't <laughs> go undefeated. Didn't win the A-League. That's um, weird for a, uh, a Gold Coast They're normally so good, those yeah, franchises. They do very well. 13 wins, 9 losses, third, but bowed out in the final. So oh. that's not too bad. That's a bit of a rough good. start. <laughs> um, uh, like every other Gold Coast franchise we've seen, crowds have been an issue. Mm. And oh. one of the things that he brought in, being a financially savvy person that he is, one Dinosaurs. of the richest in Queensland, oh, no. <laughs> uh, he started capping the crowds. Um, it... He thought that it would cost – they needed 9,000 at each game to break even. So what he did, he capped the crowds at 5,000, had the Western Grandstand open, the rest of the stadium was shut down to save on staff around the stadium. Uh, The FFA surprisingly weren't too happy with that, so that was a bit of an initial black mark to his name. They always shot it the way that it looked full, right? So he did it no. the opposite side. No, of the no, he right? did. No, he did it on the, same, it on the side. same side. So it was empty. So it was a bit of a yeah. It, there was a bit of a yeah. He he went out and basically said, "This is what I need to do." He did it on the wrong side, so that for the broadcast for us, it looked yeah, terrible. Yeah. And he was getting crowds of one thousand fans didn't like it. One thousand, two thousand people to his game, so he was obviously effectively losing a lot of money out of the process. Um, he started taking the. 
uh, in 2012, the last season of Central Coast, you know, uh, Gold Coast United, last season of Gold Coast United, at his request, Miron Blyberg, the coach, he told to give debutant Mitch Cooper the captaincy for the stand-in captain, oh, Michael Thwaite. So debutant. I, the guy I, was 17. He's 17-year-old. Is he, look, he <laughs> might have leadership qualities. <laughs> so he did. This was to sell tickets. He did. So Miron said, giving him the armband symbolises some of the positives from this season in that young players have taken a step forward. It's a nice gesture from Clive and the club to make him captain for the day. Oh, so the coach went along with it. Yeah, the coach, yeah. The coach went along with it. It was like a make-a-wish thing. Like it was just like they were sort of – it was like for the day. They were just well, giving it to if the he's, If he's under seven, he's 70, he's probably used to playing juniors where it's a different captain everywhere. He just thought it was his turn. Why not? Well, <laughs> and obviously it kids. Went, on, went from that, went on to become one of the biggest names in Australian soccer. What, yeah, I his don't, name I, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Cooper. Cooper, everybody's yes, heard Mitch of Coops. Cooper. Yeah, People the know Coop the, dog. the, the Coop. The loop shot. I know that's a different sport. So it was tough. Knows it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it was tough. Uh, that was actually their last season in the A-League, oh, surprisingly geez. enough. Um, 35% of their games they won. And they made the finals twice but didn't go on to win the big toilet seat that everyone plays for in the A-League. <laughs> um, uh, he's also gone in a few other ventures. Um the Palmer Coolum Resort. Oh, beautiful place. Dinosaur, mm. Dinosaur Park would be one that you probably know of. Of he course. He the Hyatt Resort in Coolum. Um, and one of his first things was to order 160 animatronic dinosaurs for the resort, which included a three-and-a-half-metre-tall T-Rex called Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff the T-Rex. Yeah, so once he'd got uh, some Why of these dinosaurs. Why would you just call him Rex? Yeah, it's a good yeah, point. I don't know. Jeff Rex. Jeff, 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 Jeff T-Rex. Might be a personal <laughs> joke there. Did you yeah. see the name Probably Jeff that he changed the, thing, the, change the resort to in 2013? No. What was it? Palmasaurus. Yeah. Palmasaurus. Palmasaurus. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's that a, was your nickname at high, at high school, wasn't it, Tommy? <laughs> no, it was Megasaurus. My. <laughs> 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 This is not – I think this might be your last podcast. Yeah. They're going to cut you off. Oh, my God. Megasaurus. <laughs> How did Palmer make his money? Uh, Queensland Nickel. Yeah, oh, yeah he bought Queensland Nickel off uh, BHP, I think it was. And he's obviously now a very, very famous politician, has done mm. very well. His party did really well in the yeah. last election. One seat, was it? Uh, none. Failed to win a Zero. seat. Zero $60 million dollars spent on the campaign. Yeah. So great return on investment yeah. there. And and great politicians like Glenn Lazarus was yep. there for a bit. They paid Pauline $60 Hansen. million. The ads look shit. Yeah. yeah. The Make Australia Great. Uh, like, it, mate, it, stole I, that which, straight off Trump. Jeez, if you were at a party that Clive Palmer and Glenn Lazarus was at, you'd be standing right near where the little... Horse yeah, because you wouldn't all. be getting. Do you reckon? Yeah, maybe Jeff's there serving hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, Glenn Lazarus, like, who played obviously for New South Wales. Mm. Yes, the fridge. Is it yeah. the fridge? Brick, yeah, the brick, brick with eyes. Sorry, the brick with eyes. He he now supports Queensland, so That's he goes ridiculous. to Queensland State of Origin and wears a Queensland jersey. What? Send him an email or tweet him and say you a strongly idiot. worded letter. Yeah, yeah mm. that's ridiculous. All right, that's your yeah, That's me. Hey, yeah. Tommy. Here Bring us go. home is our last one. Here Let's see go. what you can say to here offend people. Yeah, here we go. Uh, okay, guys. My last one is Charles Finley, who was the owner 
of the Kansas City A's, now known <laughs> as the Oakland A's or Oakland Athletic uh, baseball team. Oh, athletic, right. Um, athletic. I'll write that down. <laughs> athletic, <laughs> not as funny. <laughs> Charlie Finley, he made his fortune in the insurance business, uh, being among the first to write group medical insurance policies for those in the medical profession. He, uh, he had a penchant. Uh, and flair for sort of business practices, and he just thought, why not? Why not buy the local baseball team? Grew up in Kansas City, which is ironic because he then pretty much moved it straight away to Oakland because uh, he wanted to live in California in the Bay Area. Um, he essentially had some weird. <laughs> Hit him, ding, mate! Ding, 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 what ding, is ding, wrong ding. with you? It's just such a good. It's like a nervous word. tick. It is. Mm. <laughs> That's a good transferring word. <laughs> Essentially, um, when I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> he was the general manager as well as the uh, the majority owner of the club. Uh, this is where it's always good when these guys go, you know what, not only am I super rich, I've bought in, I know enough about this game. Yeah, absolutely. Because so I'm, I'm rich, I know everything. I'm going to yeah. go through a few little Love anecdotes it. that were really funny. They're quite short and they're just, they're quirky and that's the sort of the overview of this guy because he was a, he was a f- That's all well, kind of what this podcast is. Okay. Like, like you don't so really Charlie need to explain o, exactly his nick, his what we've done. I don't know what you think we did with ours. <laughs> look, I'm just going to read this stuff look, off the page. I'm going to go, <laughs> look, I'm going to roll out some stats and we can all nod and then move on. Go on then. Do what we've all done for the last six weeks. Yeah. Finley. Essentially, this Finley, podcast. Finley, okay. <laughs> uh, Finley replaced the Athletics traditional mascot, which was an elephant, uh, to a live... Well, because when I think... When <laughs> I think... Athletic, athletic I think, think elephant. But you know, also when you think of A's, what's got the biggest A? Biggest a? <laughs> That's a big A. Uh, but he actually changed it to a live mule uh, called Charlie O, who was paraded around the outfield and into cocktail parties. Charlie O. And they <laughs> fed the mule and then let it loose in the uh, press conference. And oh, we God. all know what happened. That's so, so good. Any annoying reporters didn't come back the following week. Another thing that he did in Kansas That's, City, he it, did this thing called the Kansas City Pennant Porch. So Yankee Stadium, they built a, a porch that came off the, the right side outfield that came in to 296 feet, which was like about 50 feet, 50, 60 feet shorter than uh, a league, the league certified fence. And in Kansas City, essentially, uh, didn't say it. I put it halfway through. I put it halfway through. Uh, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the the now, mate. Speciality. Um, he... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. Uh, <laughs> Tell he... me you're going to get suspended I know, from I Can I just uh, frame for everybody at home? Tommy has put in his notice. Yeah. <laughs> He's leaving Fox Sports on when? Uh, 6th of March. So you're listening to a man that has nothing to lose. He's <laughs> wow. basically got and his feet up. Just if you tune in for the next couple of weeks, any, anything could happen. I'm smoking a Cuban cigar in my undies <laughs> with my feet on the table. Okay, Going out go. with a bang. Uh, so he built, this, he built this porch to mimic the Yankee Stadium one. Uh, and the Major League Baseball came in and said that they had to knock it down. But when they knocked the porch down and made it the, the legitimate 325 feet again to the back wall, he made, he made the ground staff draw a paint a white line where the 296 marker was. <laughs> and every time one of his players hit the ball on the full over the 296-yard uh, marker, he would make the ground announcer being like, 
And that would have been a home run. <laughs> <laughs> but he found out that they had to stop doing that quickly because oppo- they weren't very good. Their oppositions were hitting it over the home run thing. And they were like, they, he was in, the announcer was doing it for the opposing teams yeah, right. as well. Yeah, unless their porch is retractable and you can use it <laughs> different, different lengths for different teams. Uh, not gonna... And my favourite story of his is they actually, when they moved to Oakland, they, they, started, they started gaining a lot of success. They started getting really good. He started paying a lot of really amazing well, players. Well, Brad Pitt started working for him, remember? Yeah, yeah. Billy Payne. <laughs> uh, this was before oh. Billy Payne. Oh, right, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> just from... quietly, one of the great names in sport. Billy oh, Billy Bean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He won. So, oh, the old Billy Bean. Eh? It sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Willie T. Ribs was a good yeah, one. Yeah, before, yeah. Too. The old Billy Bean in the Oakland A, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, So between the years, they won three in a row. They won 1972, 1973, and 1974. Um, and he, in the first, the 1972 World Series, they won it, and nobody out of all the players wrote him a thank you letter. And I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but he basically transitioned their premiership or their pendant rings into gla- green glass rings and handed them all out at the opening game of the 73 season and said, you guys aren't getting championship rings with, like, diamonds and gold and whatever. You're getting glass loops, like green glass loops, because none of you wrote me a thank you note. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a psycho. Yeah. So he, he – and then he, after the 74 World Series, he, he was there for another year and then they got rid of him because he was too crazy. So he You know what's funny, though? Those green glass loops are probably worth more now than a, than a championship ring because – there was only what? How many on a baseball team? Oh, Eleven, and then yeah, there's. I think they're they're, they're pretty big rosters. Because like that's people. you know, there's a lot less of those. Yeah, mm. green glass loops. Yeah, he also tried to bring orange baseballs in. He had a mechanical rabbit orange that would baseball. Uh, that would hop out to the umpires. A mechanical rabbi. A rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, someone's yeah. yeah. A rabbit, and yeah. that would hop out to the umpires and give them new baseballs when they needed new baseballs. Jeez, he good. hired Stanley Burrell, who would later be known as MC Hammer as oh, the executive yes. vice president oh. as a teenager. And he goes, he's got the eyes and ears for baseball. Uh, and <laughs> he would he would also, like uh, your guy, uh, he offered $300 bonuses for people who could grow the best moustache. <laughs> so they had competitions of who could grow the best moustache in the Oakland Athletics. Oh. That is... Tommy, oh, that was yeah. very good, very good. That is, wow. That's the end of the podcast. Tommy, you brought us home very strong, filthy... Favourite story? That guy. <laughs> Essentially. Okay, what was his name? Was Oakland Athletics? Uh, Char- Charlie Finley. Charlie Finley was the winner. You were telling me winner. you bought a mechanical rabbit, Tommy. Surely. <laughs> 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 yeah, she's great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Do I title the show Favourite Owners or is it more... Famous owners because famous we owner. had some some bad people yeah. <laughs> yeah. amongst that show. Phil, I think yeah. it is uh, famous bad owners. Let's do famous <laughs> bad owners. Uh, that was very good, guys. Uh, just a reminder, uh, go on to our socials, at Professor on Fox. It's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you've got a better owner that you can think of, post it there. Also, uh, once again, get on there, give us a five-star review and um, leave a comment. One that says some praise would be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good? Yes. Just one. A little bit of praise. If you want to slate Tommy or Nick, feel free to. Yeah. But a bit of praise anything as well for us. Would be handy. Um, and that's it. That's the Professor and Barney podcast. Topic for next week, Tommy. Don't have anything. Beautiful. See you then. See ya.